This is the Rundown. The rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Live from the auction community studio for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Bear is back. Bear, how's it going back there? You ready for some Tuesday night football? I've missed Tuesday night football, to be honest with you. It's been almost two weeks. That's been. I liked it. I don't know. Yeah, I got to say so far, Tuesday night football better than Wednesday afternoon football. That game last week was uh, hideous and unwatchable. And it's weird when like an NFL game is on and nothing else of consequences on and you're still not watching it. You're like, I'd rather just not have a TV than watch this game. Uh, so we will, of course, keep you up to date on Dallas and Baltimore. That game is just about to start. I somehow have three TVs in here, and two of them are showing uh, cooking right now. And one of them is showing Ohio State, Notre Dame. Obviously, if Ohio State is playing, it's basketball and not football. We'll get into that in a little bit as well. But we will start tonight's show with the Arizona Cardinals. Cody, since you're back, I'm going to let you pick. You want to go good news or bad news with the Cardinals to start off? There's good news? Well, I think... All right, give that to me because I don't know what it is. So is that typically, are you a start with the good news person? I usually start with the bad news because I like to finish on the high note. I don't know, actually. Well... (laughs) We'll see how this goes, and okay. then I'll decide. Well, the good news is Larry Fitzgerald has been active in COVID news. That is good news, yes. Uh-huh. Wonderful. The bad news is the Cardinals are still 6-6, six and six, and they've still lost three in a row in four of their last five, and the criticism uh, is growing. As you would expect, a lot of it is being leveled at the quarterback, Kyler Murray. I don't necessarily think a lot of it is fair, or at the very least, I think a lot of it is probably premature. But either way, it's out there. That's what happens when you are the quarterback, Uh, and the face of the team. The other thing, though, I don't know if you saw this, but ESPN, uh, like Next Gen with their stats, put out all the uh, the route trees that a lot of the major receivers have been running, and I saw this for some reason like 11.30 last night. And somebody had tweeted out Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins for the last three weeks. So, like, everybody's been talking today about, like, did you see DeAndre Hopkins' route tree this week compared to, like, Devontae Adams and Julio Jones and all that stuff? And if you look... DeAndre Hopkins this uh, this past week, it's everything is on the left side of the field, and it's like 5 to 10 yards. Now, we all watched that game against the Rams, and it was not an exciting game. I was watching it with somebody who you know, watches a decent amount of football, but not like, not like we are supposed to watch it for this job. And like midway through the third quarter, she's like, why is that DeAndre Hopkins guy always in the same spot when he catches the ball? That's how obvious it That's has gotten. That's when you know it's bad, when like yeah. casual fans are like, why is that happening? You're like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we should now, ask Cliff, those, he doesn't know either. With those route charts, aren't those, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't those drawn up or whatever you want to say on balls that were targeted to him? So they, it doesn't reflect routes that he was running where he wasn't throwing the ball? I thought I had read that somewhere. I could yeah, be wrong about well, that. You're right. At least at the one I'm looking at for last week, it does show 11. I think he had 11 targets. No, he had 13 targets. So yeah, that, you might be right on that one. Um, so he could have run to the other side of the field and just not been thrown the ball. (laughs) If that's the case, then Kyler's not even looking when he's on the right side of the field. But my concern is not, oh yeah, that one game, look at that. The tweet I saw last night, I'm looking at it right now, has the last three games. And all of the last three games, every one of these routes is 
on the left side of the field. There's there's one play that kind of starts at like a tight end position on the right side, and he immediately <laughs> runs straight into the left. So I don't know what this is all about. I the more I ask questions and the more stuff I see and just try to piece it together, and, and honestly, really just from watching the games, I think this this injury to Kyler Murray is more than they're letting on. Uh, I, I <laughs> we're almost at the point now where I hope that's the case because. At least there would be a valid excuse for it. Yeah, if if we don't trust our quarterback to look to the right side of the field or to have some variance where his best player is lined up, and quite honestly, last week, his only receiver, that's concerning because I trust him to look to the other side of the field. I mean, I would assume Cliff Kingsbury does as well, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting for any sort of, uh, any sort of like positive news to come out about the Cardinals here in the last few weeks. And the best I could get was was Larry Fitzgerald coming back from the COVID reserve list, which again is absolutely uh, is great news. Not just, you know, for what he does on the football field. And I think that they absolutely could use his his leadership and really just some direction. This team seems kind of lost the last couple weeks. Uh, but also, you know, just on the human level. I mean, you don't want to see anybody sick, but Fitz missing a couple games with it, and obviously Fitz just who he is to this community. I think everybody's happy just to know that he is back, whether whether he can help them turn it around this week against the Giants or not. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The rundown rapid reaction. Rapid reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. We will start in college football. The Ohio State Michigan game for this weekend has been canceled. Michigan unable to play. I saw some estimate that if they had played, they were going to be without 49 players, which I feel like is kind of a big deal. I know college football rosters are absurdly large compared to NFL rosters, but if you're missing 49 players, you know, give or take five. If you're driving around right now and you're like, no, it was only 44. (laughs) Okay. If they're missing 44 players, that seems like a problem. It is, um, if you... If you feel like too many people are agreeing with each other in 2020, A, where have you been looking? But B, if you want to see like some controversy on the internet, and again, it's pretty, pretty much everywhere, but if you want to see some new controversy, watch uh, Michigan and Ohio State fans arguing on social media right now. I was going through like just some of the responses to Adam Schefter's initial tweet that the game was being canceled. You know, Michigan has tweeted stuff. Like people obviously all around college football now have tweeted stuff out. If you just look in the comments, it is Ohio State fans and Michigan fans who don't know each other arguing to the point where if you read long enough, you won't know which side is which because they it just devolves so quickly. It's a very odd chapter in this rivalry. And I mean, I'm going to give Michigan the benefit of the doubt. They've been they had to have their last game canceled. I don't think they are like purposely ducking Ohio State. I don't really care about either of these teams. They both can get kind of annoying, to be quite honest. But um, I don't think that they are purposely ducking them. But because it is this rivalry and because you had Kirk Herbstreet insinuating a week ago that this might happen and now it has happened, you know, you can you can certainly see why Ohio State fans are upset. By rule, they have to play six games to be eligible for the Big Ten Championship. Now, I'll just say this right now, and we'll see if I'm right tomorrow. The Big Ten will probably just change the rule to get them into the championship if they can't play a sixth game because it's college football and all they really care about is the money. Um, And that'll likely happen tomorrow. But at the moment, Ohio State doesn't have a sixth game to play. 
They're five and zero. They're still number four in the college football playoff rankings, which just came out about an hour ago. So, the selection committee doesn't seem to really care if they play any games. I mean, you can. We we're talking about this in the newsroom. Ohio State is five and zero, and I agree they're one of the four best teams in college football. USC's four and zero, and what are they? They're like sixteenth. I mean. If we're going by what actually happens on the field, how is there that much of a discrepancy between one team that's played five games and one team that has played four games? I'm not saying USC should be there. They've looked shaky. They looked shaky against ASU. Uh, They've really looked shaky in in all but the Washington State game. But at a certain point, shouldn't you have to play a, a, a few games before you're eligible for the actual playoff? Ohio State will get into the playoff. I guarantee you that. Because it is all about money in college football. And uh, I'm convinced they'll be in the Big Ten Championship, whether that means some other team has to drop out of a Big Ten game this weekend and they get to play, or the Big Ten just changes the rules to let them in the uh, their, their championship game. Again, Ohio State, I, I fully agree, is a top-four team, and it's not their fault they're in this position. So it's this is not like a knock on Ohio State. It's just going to be interesting to watch how college football does everything they can to make sure they get the Buckeyes in the playoff. Whether they deserve it or not, I'm just going to enjoy the squirming here from from the NCAA and the Big Ten over the next few days. Uh, Incidentally, too, Purdue canceled practice today, like an hour after the Ohio State-Michigan news came out. So then the thought was, okay, well, Ohio State will just play Indiana. But then Indiana, like an hour after that, had to pause team activities because they're dealing with the virus as well. So at the moment, they don't have a, uh, a, a game scheduled for Ohio State. NFL, I mentioned Dallas-Baltimore playing this evening. Somehow Baltimore is uh, is on the outside looking in, and in fact, if they don't win tonight, they're going to be they're going to be in a uh, in a tough spot. And then uh, Dallas, maybe even more surprising, is somehow still in contention in the NFC East, even though they're three and eight. Bear, do you have any idea? I'm totally distracted by this Des Bryant tweet. Yes, I was. What is gonna, this? So apparently, during warmups, Des Bryant was pulled off the field because his COVID nineteen test from earlier today came back inconclusive. Okay, they ran it again; it was inconclusive again, and then they pulled him off the field and gave him a POC test, which came back positive for COVID. So he's not playing tonight. Okay, and he was on the field just now, and then he just tweeted after that. He this is his direct Twitter account. It says, quote, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and call it quits for the rest of the season. I can't deal with this, end quote. It's a very cryptic tweet. In all of about 20 minutes, Des Bryant was about to play his former team in the Cowboys, was pulled off the field because he tested positive for COVID and has now opted out of the rest of the season. (laughs) I mean, when you mix 2020 and Des Bryant, you know, that's like, like if if you're a chemistry teacher, you know how like, you know, how back in high school, your chemistry teacher was like, okay, mix this and mix. Don't mix these two things, though, or part of the school will be missing. 2020 and Des Bryant really should not be mixed together. And yeah, you factor in he was going to play his former team. He should have just waited until next year. (laughs) Well, and now he's going to. Look at that. Uh, And I do want to mention this. The NBA season officially starts two weeks from tonight. The Phoenix Suns start two weeks from tomorrow. But uh, NBA basketball starting up two weeks from tonight. The Suns have a preseason game, of course, against Utah this Saturday. All right, when we come back, we're going to get deeper into the Cardinals situation Got an interesting perspective from Brock Heward earlier today on the Burns and Gambo show on what exactly is wrong with this offense and maybe even Kyler Murray. And I lent some credence to that. Brock Heward played uh, quarterback in the NFL in college, obviously. I'm going to react to some of what he had to say next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown. 
98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Okay. Now we got to sort through this. For background, I was uh, on the air doing the show when all the Rudy Gobert stuff happened way back in March. And, uh, and everything just got crazy. This is not that by any means. It's just sort of, uh, it's what, nine months later, how different everything is being viewed. Des Bryant apparently tested positive. What? So first it was inconclusive, then it was inconclusive again, and then he took like a quick test there, and it was positive. So he's been pulled out of this game right before the game. Baltimore-Dallas playing tonight, Tuesday Night Football. He um, promptly tweeted out that he quits. And they're still playing the game. Bear, as you pointed out during the break, I mean, they pushed the Baltimore game last week basically back six days, which is why this game's even being played on a Tuesday. Somebody tests positive right before the game on the field, and they just played it anyway. Okay. And uh, what? Okay, I'm, I'm reading through Kellen's stuff right now. He, Kellen Olson, our Phoenix Suns guru, This is uh, he's tweeting about the... Uh, the situation with Baltimore right now and people are saying that um, the reason the game is being played Tom Pelissaro tweeting out all the Ravens players tested negative for COVID and no high risk close contacts were identified source said so no Des Bryant but game on a schedule no other players impacted and then there's just pictures of Des Bryant without a mask around other players on the field talking to what Cowboys linebacker Justin March this is, I mean, they're on the Baltimore field, so right, whatever. I'm masks down, masks down. Okay, but they are playing the game. The NFL is not going to miss any games this uh, this season. Uh, speaking of the NFL, but more uh, more interesting topic. Well, maybe not more uh, more positive, but the, uh, the the Cardinals. Lamar Jackson is terrible. Yeah, I just saw you angrily waving your arms. Okay, that wasn't really his fault. It, it wasn't still a wasn't a throw. great throw. Yeah. Well, so Dallas has picked off Lamar early in this game. Uh, uh, okay. Hollywood Brown probably should have caught that. We, I thought we agreed like a month ago we're calling him Riverside Brown until he starts to show up <laughs> in these, these games. Uh, okay, so here's Brock Heward on with Burns and Gambo this afternoon. Of course, Brock, you know, quarterback at uh, University of Washington, quarterback in the NFL. He called the game on Sunday, so he got like a first-hand look at, at the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. But also, when you're calling the game, you know, national TV broadcast, you, you get to meet with the team. You have like some, I'm, it's, I'm sure it's over Zoom right now, but they have they have access that really no other media has in the, uh, the days leading up to that game. He had some interesting things to say about Kyler Murray. So I want to get through as many of these as we can. First of all, uh, as far as him not running, he said that's got to change. So you could see them try to run a QB draw, try to do some design QB run, but that's going to be on him, and, and maybe that shoulder hurts, and he's like, screw that. I'm not running between the tackles. I'm not taking that contact. I don't want, to, I don't want this thing to, to get separated again, and it hurts. You know, and it hurts to take on some of that contact. So I think that's the line, Bernsey, that he's navigating. And I would say, man, for your team, for your line, for your system this year, at times you've got to force the run and you've got to win one-on-one situations. You've got to maximize the unique gift that he does have. Yeah, look, I can tell you, having never played in the NFL, but having played sports growing up, I mean, I had a messed up, I messed up my shoulder at one point playing hockey, and you do, it gets in your head, because you're like, wait, if I get bumped at all, is my shoulder just going to, like, dislocate or separate? And that's, you know, that's playing hockey as a teenager. That's not being a quarterback in the NFL. So I can imagine it's got to be in his head to a certain extent, but, like, if he can't be 
Kyler Murray, then you know they got to find other ways to either unlock what he can do, or I, mean, I don't know if he, if he's if he's out there. It's one thing if you are an NFL quarterback and you're at you know seventy percent physically at this point in the season. I think probably a lot of NFL quarterbacks are. But if he's at like seventy percent mentally because he's hesitant about stuff, then that's that's a, a, a problem for the rest of this season. Uh, you know, again, big picture. If it's weird, if he is if he's this hurt where it's messing up his his play right now and it's messing with the uh, the playbook that the Cardinals are are using and that they're comfortable with calling, that's actually probably better big picture for the Cardinals just because this is it kind of explains what's going on right now. But it's also worse for the rest of this season. I mean, if he is hesitant to run or refusing to run, the Giants are going to exploit that uh, as well. Here's more from Brock Heward. They tried, you know, and and we didn't get to this in the broadcast, and I I tried to, but the next play happened and things moved on. They ran a QB draw. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, I think it was in the second quarter. They run a designed quarterback draw. And if you watch that play... Yes, and if you watch the play, if he followed the blocks, there's about eight yards between the tackles. Where you know the, it, there's a huge, there's a nice, nice seam and gap, and you got a lead blocker that went up through the A gap, B gap, and it's right there to be had. And he looked at it, and went nope, and tried to scamper outside and run away from people and ran for nothing. And in this league, that's that's what happens. <laughs> You're not going to outrun people all season long. And you know he needed to run that between the tackles and did not, and they did not call it again. It's a pivotal point for uh, for you know for Cliff Kingsbury, as I've been saying. These these final four games are are pivotal this season because it's all about seeing how he can adjust to a league that has now adjusted to his offense and his quarterback. But you know, I, I don't know what the timeline is. But this is a critical juncture for Kyler Murray, whether it's just the next four weeks or you want to extend this into the start of next season or whatever. But what Brock Heward just said right there, I mean, you're not going to be able to outrun everybody on every play. Even if you're Kyler Murray, you're in the NFL. And teams are adjusting to you. And if you're hurt, too, and you hesitate at all, that's it. You're not, and we're going to see you carry the ball five times for 15 yards. So, you know, this is the next step in his development is being able to play on instinct still, even if he's banged up. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to connect a lot of dots here. I'm not Kyler Murray, but I do trust Brock Heward in, in terms of his knowledge of, of quarterback play, and he was right there for what he saw on Sunday. I mean, I remember that play. I remember thinking, okay, you know, Kyler Murray a few weeks ago probably gets five, ten more yards on this play. I also remember thinking that last year, he probably slides pretty quickly. I mean, last year... He, he did that move a lot where it was clearly self-preservation, and I think we were all on board with it because they weren't going anywhere last year. And big picture, you want Kyler Murray healthy. But this year, you know, he set the bar higher in the first nine games of the season. He was running all over the place, and then he gets that hit in the Seahawks game, and he absolutely has not been the same since. Uh, more from Brock Heward, where he told Kyler Murray flat out, needs to be running. Well, I challenged him to that, right? So we had a Zoom meeting Saturday, Friday, Saturday with him, and I kind of challenged because I listened to him all week say, I don't need to run for us to win. And I said, Kyler, I think you do, man, and I'll challenge you because that is where you are unique, right? In this league, the, the ones that, that set themselves apart are those with the unique talents and maximize those talents. And your ability to run and your quickness, man, is unique in this league. So I, I would never be – and let anybody take that away. 
Yeah, I mean, this has been a talking point now for a couple weeks, ever since the Patriots game, where afterwards Kyler got a little bit frustrated, which, again, totally fine with. It was right after a loss. But then he said, look, I don't have to run for us to win football games. And I said it that night on the postgame show, like, I, I, I respectfully disagree, even though, you know, look, he's the quarterback of the team. He knows more about this team than any of us. But from the outside looking in, and now we've had another game to reinforce this, on a game-by-game basis, should the Cardinals have been able to beat the Patriots without Kyler Murray running? Yeah. I mean, the Patriots are a pretty average team, pretty average defense. And you figured Belichick was going to do everything he could to take away Kyler's ability to run because Belichick identifies what the other team does best, and he tends to take that away. But the Patriots aren't good enough to take a bunch of different things away this season. So maybe you should have been able to beat the Patriots without running, but if you want to do anything as a team this season or you know even going forward, this doesn't change next year. Brock Heward just said it right there. It's what makes you special. I said this on the show last night, like, What if the Chiefs come out tomorrow and they're like, well, you know, we shouldn't have to throw to Travis Kelsey to win, so we're not going to do it for three weeks. All right, you're probably going to lose some of those games. I mean, you use what you have to win the games. And that is absolutely what sets Kyler Murray, apart from pretty much every other quarterback in this league, and it's what sets the Cardinals apart because they are built around their offense, and their offense is so much more explosive and dynamic and unpredictable when Kyler Murray can just take off and run for 15 yards on seemingly any play he wants to. That's what it felt like earlier this season watching this team. It felt like, okay, uh, you're taking away the passing. You're taking away Kenyon Drake. I don't really have any outlet here to chase Edmonds. I'll just run for 15 yards. And it just felt like he could do that at will earlier this season. I mean, remember, they were 6-3, and three and it was like, well, they should have beat Miami with the way he played, and they could have beat Detroit. Like, we're sitting there looking at it like 6-3, and three and they could be 8-1. and one. But that's when he was running. Now he's not running, and it's just not, it is not the same team at all. Uh, one last one from Brock Heward. I think he's going to challenge Tyler. I think he needs to privately, publicly. I think he's got, you know, 19 years in this league to be able to say, hey, let's go and, and put some of that and put some of just like, you know, Sean McVay did, right, to his quarterback after a, a bad loss and multiple turnovers that cost his team. And that's, you know, that's hard on Cliff. Because Cliff's there because of Kyler. Cliff's there because of Sean McVay. Cliff's there. He didn't have some of that juice. Sean McVay challenged his quarterback publicly. And I think that's going to be the next step, whether that's Larry, whether that's Cliff, to say, you got to be at your best. It, it's time. I know it's year two, and you're young and in your inexperienced, and you're growing. But this league is a not-for-long league. you got to get it done now. And the only way they win three or four is if he is special, as he was in big moments earlier in the season. This is where it gets complicated that you have a first-year head coach and a rookie quarterback come into the league together at the same time last year. So they're kind of growing up together in the league. So is Cliff going to be comfortable calling Kyler Murray out publicly if he has to. And I'm not saying he has to right now. I mean, even what Brock Heward's saying right there, they could certainly do that behind closed doors. But you do see, I mean, we saw Bruce Arians call out Tom Brady in week one of this season. Now, Bruce Arians is the extreme. But you're also calling out the guy that's probably the greatest quarterback of all time. And he did it instantly. There's going to come a time here at some point, whether it's this season, next season, two seasons from now or whatever, where, where Cliff may have to call out Kyler publicly And I don't know if he's comfortable doing it. 
So maybe he does it behind the scenes. Uh, I tend to think, I mean, if you're looking and saying who on the Cardinals can really call Kyler Murray out right now, maybe that's not even the right way to, to, to say it if you're going behind the scenes. But who can challenge him? Who can say, look, you know what? You do need to run or you do need to do this or whatever. Uh, some of that, I, mean, I didn't play all the clips, but that last clip I played was within the context of Brock Heward saying Kyler's more focused on Sundays than during the week. So, I mean, we didn't get to that part, but that, that's part of the context of what he just said right there. If there's anybody on the Cardinals that can go up to Kyler Murray and say, hey, I've been in this league for a while. This is what you need to do right now. You need to do this to get to another level, or you need to push yourself through this wall. It's Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, I feel like anybody in the NFL is going to listen to Larry Fitzgerald, with the exception of, like, Des Bryant, but he's not in the NFL now because he just retired. All right, we come back. We're going to shift our focus to ASU football. The Territorial Cup is in three days, and we're going to talk to former Sun Devil and a member of their broadcast team right now, Jordan Simone. Next, it's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Luke Lipinski, back here with you. The Territorial Cup is coming up in three days. It is weird because it doesn't feel like it's coming up in three days because ASU's only played two games. But we're joined now on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line by former Sun Devil defensive back. You can hear him on the, uh, the broadcast now. Jordan Simone is uh, joining us. Jordan, thanks for the time, man. How you doing? Luke, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been a while. Happy to be here with yeah, you. Yeah, it, it has. I got to say, I was driving. I was actually one of the like 15 people at the game the other night covering it, and I was driving home, and I heard you and Jeff Munn doing the post game, and you were being extremely optimistic for it being a loss, and yet, honestly, I, I kind of agree with most of what you were saying. I feel like this team, is, it, they're just not going to have the time to reach their potential this season. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, it is unfortunate, man. And, it, you know, I think, you know, everyone's been saying, you know, you kind of scratch this season, you know, it's, it's, it's a preseason for them. Um, you know, the first, you know, game against USC, obviously they dominated that for, for 55 minutes of it before, um, you know, USC made that crazy comeback and had a couple of lucky bounces go their way. Um, and nobody seems to talk about the onside kick during that game. I know this is a while ago, but, but people don't forget. Um, and I'm one of those people, man, where the ball was never controlled by anybody. And if it was controlled by someone, it was Merlin Robertson having the ball with his knee down. There's literally a picture of it. You can search it. But um, so I'm not over that one yet. And then the UCLA game, you know, they took three weeks off and they, they still made a hell of an effort. They came back um, from being down. And in the first half, um, I, I think you saw the team that, that the rust, you know, that, that, you know, they hadn't played in a while. And in the second half they came out and that's the real ASU football team. That's the team, the ground and pound out physical you um, defensively stopping the run. I was really impressed with how they came out in the second half. Jaden looked like he was more confident. And then the game plan from Zach Hill was, was really impressive. So I, I, I just think this team hasn't even scratched the surface. Luckily, everybody gets a, a – it doesn't hit them in their eligibility, so they'll all be back, hopefully. Yeah, that's what I – I wanted to ask you that. I mean, as far as a player on this team, I mean, I, I think most people's first thought goes to a guy like Jaden Daniels because, you know, how long is he going to be ASU's quarterback? Does he want to move on to the next level? If that's the case, this is kind of just a lost season for the program. They they end up burning a year of Jaden Daniels if it plays out that way. But, you know, what does it do for a guy like that? And then also, does it have any sort of negative impact on recruiting? It's not the Sun Devils' fault, but, I mean, it's, this is just kind of something everybody's dealing with, but it's hit them harder than a lot of teams. Yeah, you know, for, for a guy like Jaden, I think experience is only going to help him. So he, he's not going to leave, uh, you know, this year, obviously. I, I don't think he'll leave next year, um, but it could be after that. You know, everyone always said he could be a three-year guy. 
but it's just more room for him to develop and more time for him to be with Zach Hill as a true quarterback's coach um, and and an offensive coordinator that he can learn a lot from. And not to mention that he's got a lot of young receivers and running backs around him. I mean, if you watch that UCLA game, you you walked out of there going, holy cow, Chip Trainum could be a – three-and-done guy. He could be to the league uh, as a junior. I mean, he's that special. He's as good of running back as I've seen in a long time come out of ASU, and, and that's saying a lot because there's been some damn good running backs to come out of ASU in the, in the past, you know, five, six years. Um, you know, three of them still playing in the NFL, so um, there's a, obviously a lot of young talent with, with Johnny Wilson, LV Bunkley-Shelton, um, you know, go down the list. Uh, I mean, there's guys that aren't even playing yet, so they have a lot of talent. I don't expect Jaden to, to leave you know, anytime soon, but I do expect him to have a lot of success. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, just more time for these guys to, to you know, play together. They're only going to be better at the end of the day. I, I completely agree with you on training, by the way. I mean, it's only been two games. I know he was he's highly – he, he looks like he's unstoppable half the time. Um, <laughs> you, you talk about the – you know, what the identity of this team would have been, and maybe we won't know. I mean, I guess – they have at least one more game. They should have a fourth game, right, in a week. We just don't know where it's going to be. But what do you think the identity of this team was going to be this season, and do you think that carries over now to next year? You know, I think this is the first year that, that we can finally say that Herm has, you know, he's, he's recruited, he's got his guys, and you're really seeing what they recruited for. They wanted to dominate at the line of scrimmage, and they wanted to run the ball. They wanted to just pound the rock. Um, because Herm always believes that a, a, defense, a good defense and a run game travels. They have that now. I really believe that they do. We just haven't been able to see it. We haven't been able to see them get comfortable um, and, and really, you know, practice, uh, you know, or play against opponents that, that would test them. Um, we've only seen them play twice. I, I've walked out of both those games going, man, if this team plays all four quarters, they'll be unstoppable. I mean, there's not another team in the Pac-12 that I've watched that I go, man, they they really can put it together and be and be really good. I mean, Oregon's looked bad at times. UCLA didn't look good. Colorado dominated U of A last week, but you know they've they've had some shaky starts uh, or some you know different different uh, things go wrong their way, even though they're undefeated. But um, I really looked at ASU and like after watching their games, I'm like, this team could be so good. Um, they just all have to stay together and and uh, you know, here's the thing, they. They yes, they lost two games. Did they look good? Yes, they still lost. So you look at this and go, all right, it's kind of a preseason. Not this week. Not not against U of A. This week it's a championship week, and in your preparation, you should be preparing for a championship because if you got anything, you better have that damn territorial cup because that means more to, than anything to anybody in this state right now, including those players. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's where I was going next. We're talking to Jordan Simone on the Culture Automotive Group Sports Line, and it is in such a strange year, and it's only the third game for ASU, so it almost feels like with all the Cardinal stuff and the Sun stuff, the Territorial Cup, being on a Friday and everything too, kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I imagine as a player or a coach or whatever, like you just said, this, is, this literally is your Super Bowl this year because this is the biggest game you have left. Oh, yeah. This is all that matters this, this year now. I mean, U of A is undefeated or uh, not undefeated. They, they have not won a game. Neither has ASU. And so this is, uh, this is make or break right here for the year. You want to talk about a team that you know, should be dominant, you've got to go win uh, the game against U of A. And I'll say, I'll say this for U of A. I've been, I've been impressed with what Noel Mazzoni has done there and, and getting that offense going with, with Grant Goodell. Obviously, he had a, a shoulder injury a little bit, but um, I don't know if, if he'll be back this week. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it, I, I hate U of A. 
Um, and my wife went there, and I don't talk to her this week. Her family all went to U of A. I don't talk to her family. And it's around the holidays, so it's unfortunate. But you know what? Desperate, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I'm not even going to look any of them in the eye until uh, until the, that clock strikes zero, and then I'll and I'll give her a big kiss. <laughs> That's, that is great. That is what it's all about. Uh, you know, you mentioned it right there. I know ASU fans are always going to say this, but like ASU should be good this year. They played out a regular season. You know, maybe a couple warm up games like normal. U of A really shouldn't be very good. Like this should be a lopsided win for the Sun Devils, and yet. These games always seem to be close, or they at least come down to the fourth quarter. I mean, you've played in them. Why is that? You know, it's it's rivalry, man. It's uh, anything can happen on a rivalry, and you know what? ASU is thinking this is their Super Bowl. Well, so are the the guys over at U of A. They're saying, "Hey, man, we got nothing to lose." Um, you know, Kevin Sumlin has has struggled at U of A, and I I don't really know what to point at. You know, there's not really one thing that I can say. You know, this is this has been it. But they've lost a lot of guys this year because of COVID and transferring, and the Schooler brothers left. And um, you know, so I know that hurt them. But I think they gave they gave up over 400 rushing yards last week to Colorado. And if you watch ASU play the two games that they hit, they've they've done one thing, and that's dominate in the run game. Whether it was Jaden or Chip Trainum or Rashad White, and and so I expect all three of those guys to have a massive game against U of A on Friday. So. Um, you know, I've been really impressed with the offensive line and what they've been able to do in the run game. In fact, they 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 run downhill so much that they get flags thrown on them because they're all down the field all the time. And <laughs> that almost was the difference in the UCLA game because these guys are just running downhill. So hopefully they clean that up. But um, look, at the end of the day, it, it's going to be a physical battle. Neither team likes each other. Uh, and I expect ASU to, to come out with a, with a win and, and a lot of rushing yards. Uh, last one for you, just big picture in college football. Ohio State probably doesn't have an opponent this weekend, 5-0. and They're still in the top four of the college football playoff. I mean, as somebody that played college football at the, at the, the you know in a Power 5 conference, what do you think about that? Should Ohio State be able to get in the playoff, or do they need more games? Uh, look, I, I think the college football playoff committee has to look and say, all right, who's the best four teams? And Ohio State is one of the best four teams. Now, what I would love to see is Texas A&M and Ohio State square off this weekend. Who knows if we'll see that, um, but I, I hope that they get a game in. If you're Ohio State, you probably want to, to play that game so that they can they can put you into that playoff without a doubt um, versus you know not playing a game this weekend and, and not scheduling anybody. And then Texas A&M say they schedule you know Coastal Carolina and beat the dog crap out of them. That's just another you know, win under their belt to, to go to the playoff committee and say, hey, you know, look, at we, we're taking opponents. Ohio State isn't. Um, so I, I would expect them to try and schedule somebody. Man, it would just be – it would be awesome to see Ohio State and Texas A&M. It's basically an ex- expanded playoff. That's what we'd be seeing is, you know, everybody wants to see an 18 playoff. Well, this would be a matchup that you would see is Texas A&M taking on Ohio State. Um, and I, I think they're both good. They both have great quarterbacks. They're, they're both well-coached teams. Uh, I, I would be, man, I would have my popcorn ready front and center for that. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Jordan Simone, man, great stuff as always. you got to do this again uh, sooner this time. Enjoy the game. You call me anytime, Luke. I appreciate you. Go Devils, man. Let's get the win. All right. Thanks a lot, man. That's Jordan Simone calling in on the Culture Automotive Group Sports Line, Culture Cadillac Tempe. Experience the difference. Visit culturecadillactempe.com. That's that is great. I, I forgot his wife is uh, went to U of A, and uh, he doesn't talk to her all week. Because, Usually, this game is like the week of Thanksgiving too. Yeah. <laughs> Just so Jordan must silence. be really silent on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Just watching football, watching the Lions play, whatever they're doing every uh, every Thanksgiving. All right, we come back and play a round of fill in the blank. That's next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. It's the rundown. 
98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, quick update in the uh, Baltimore game. It is 10-7 Dallas. How is, how is Dallas winning this game? Because Lamar doesn't know how to throw the ball. Oh. He does have a rushing touchdown, though, right? I think was he that does. Okay. Yes. Um, incidentally, Ben DiNucci inactive for this game. That was the one inactive I saw. And uh, in case you're just uh, joining us, Des Bryant tested inconclusive, tested inconclusive again, tested positive, was pulled out of the game right before it started, and then quit football. So that all happened in the last. That happened in the span of like eight minutes at six o'clock, but that was about forty-five minutes ago. So now you're caught up. All right, it's time now for a round of fill in the blank. This game is simple. At least you would think it would be simple. Cody and I each have four sentences for the other one. We don't know what these sentences are. This isn't rehearsed. You'll certainly be able to tell that when you hear us try to pull it off. And uh, it's basically word association, like rapid reaction. I read the sentence. There's a uh, blank, and Cody's got to fill it instantly, first thought, and then back and forth. So I will begin with a simple one. James Harden will finish this season on the blank. I'll say this is funny because I have a question kind of like this. Yeah. So I'll just I'll I'll answer your question and then okay. ask my that question. I think he'll end the year on the 76ers. Okay. Okay. My question is what team does James Harden or uh James Harden starts the year on the blank? <laughs> nice. We can bookend this. Uh okay, so starting the year is in two weeks. Yes. He's still on the Rockets somehow. I think just for the sake of conversation, I'll say he starts on the Rockets. Okay. But I, I think so I'm a mid season trade. Yeah. Do you I, think he ends on the Rockets no, though? No, no, no. No, okay. I, I I mean I know he's got I think he has two years left plus a player option, so I know that like you look at it and you say, Well, he can't he can't just force his way out when he's got two years left on his contract. Yeah, yes, he can. He can. It's the, the NBA. NBA. Yeah, he could have eight years left on his contract. That's, Doesn't matter. That's why everybody flips out about Booker every year when the Suns haven't been doing anything, because you can have five years left. If you make it clear you don't want to be somewhere, you'll force your way out. We saw it with Anthony Davis and it won him a title. We see it every year. Like, I don't even hold this against James Harden. It just makes me appreciate Devin Booker that much more that he never did it. Since, yeah, since I asked you mine because you still kind of stole it. Yes. You, you can go. And okay. Well, go ahead. That. All right. So we're one. We're each one. Go ahead. Okay. Well, um, give me another one. Uh, okay, you might need the NBA standings from last year up in front of you for this question. From last year, yeah. Okay. So uh, maybe I will. Uh, I'll. That would here. be what the twenty nineteen twenty. Yes. <laughs> so while you pull that up, actually, I'll ask you a different question, and then you will come back to this one. All right. Okay. Your fantasy MVP this season has been blank. Devon- Most- Go ahead. Devontae Adams. And oh. he even missed three. Yeah. Three that's games. True. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Easy. Okay. Devontae Adams hey, has been amazing. Didn't even think twice. Because uh, the reason I ask, obviously, most fantasy leagues are wrapping up their regular season tonight with this game, and then playoffs will start next week. Um, did you see what my good friend Christian McCaffrey did? He announced uh, last night that he'll be back in time for this week's oh, game. Oh, great! Yes. So I, Everyone um, who drafted him number one who is missing the playoffs <laughs> will be sure... Be surely happy about that. I uh, let's see. I have him. I'm, I'm I'm in four leagues this year. I cut down. I'm in four leagues. 
I have Christian McCaffrey in one, number one overall pick. That's the one league I missed the playoffs. I'm so glad he's coming back now that my season's over. The other three leagues, I have Mike Davis, so now he's useless, too. <laughs> cool. <laughs> in those leagues, I'm in the playoffs, so I could have used Mike uh, Davis. He is not my fantasy MVP. Okay. Um, it's 6.50 p.m. right now. True. On this Tuesday, and Zane Gonzalez is still the kicker for the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> this makes you feel... Blank. Uh, confused and conflicted. Can I use both of those? They're similar words. Uh, not even really conflicted, just confused. I don't I don't wish the guy to lose his job. I don't typically like to sit here in this seat and wish anybody to lose their job. But, I mean, Zane is a good guy, and obviously he's a Sun Devil, too. I don't think he's a bad kicker, but I don't trust him to ever make another important kick for the Cardinals. You're right. So, I mean, it is a performance-based industry probably more so than any other and I think this game against the Giants on Sunday is going to be close Mm -hmm. and the Cardinals have to win that game and don't fool yourself into thinking oh they can lose that one they'll just win the last three they play the Rams in one of those three games so yeah it's an early morning East Coast game in New York when it's probably going to be cold there's probably going to be a few times where Zane Gonzalez is going to have to kick a field goal yeah and it just you could tell like I know that Every listener, I think at this point, has no confidence in him to make it. And then you talk about, does the team have confidence in him to make it? Maybe, because he's still here. I don't think he has confidence that he's going to make it. And that's an issue. I have the standings pulled up if you want to ask me that question. Here we go. Blank of the eight Western Conference playoff teams from last year will make it again this year. And while you kind of look that over, I'll give the context for it. I mean, okay. with, with the James Harden stuff, there's a possibility he leaves Houston, and then all of a sudden Houston, I think most people would assume, won't be a playoff team they were last year. We talked so much about how the Suns are a playoff team for sure, and maybe they can climb up to even fifth or fourth. And and I agree. I, I mean, that's, that's something I've said on a number of occasions. But they are going to have to have some help where other teams that were in the playoffs last year dropped out. Because I think other teams that missed the playoffs in the West last year are also going... I mean, Golden State, for one, I think is definitely going to make it this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if a third team with the Suns and Golden State sneaks in. I'll say... I'll say five. Okay. I'll say five of the eight teams make it again. Um, Though, one of them does depend on if James Harden is on the Rockets or not. If they trade him away, they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. The Thunder aren't going to make the playoffs. No. And I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Trailblazers don't make it. That I think that would have to be who you drop out. I mean, they barely made it over the yeah. Suns last year. Um, I think the Lakers... But the, the Rockets and Thunder are the, were the four and five seeds last year. Yeah. And they traded, their, they traded away a lot of their good players, both of those teams. It is remarkable Chris Paul had them as a 5C. Yeah. Look at Oklahoma City's roster last year. Um, I, I didn't ask myself the question, but I guess I'll answer anyway. I think the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Mavericks, and I actually think the Blazers will make it. I think they'll be the 8th seed again. So I think those six make it. And then, you know, that means... Suns and the Warriors. Suns and Warriors, I guess. Yeah, but that still leaves out like San Antonio and yeah. New Orleans with Zion and everything. But I, I think that's probably it. Uh, and it leaves out the Rockets, though. So, uh, like you said, that's contingent on Harden getting traded. All right, the Cardinals have now fallen back down to 500. They're 6-6. Six and six. They're in danger of missing out on the playoffs entirely. We've been talking about how they're going to be one of the, you know, first two wildcard teams or maybe even win the NFC West. In terms of the NFL playoffs, the Cardinals will blank. 
Um, sneak in mm. and bow out <laughs> pretty quickly. Um, I'm sorry, I got distracted. Baltimore just scored a touchdown, but when I looked up, everybody was patting Andy Dalton on the shoulder and the helmet, so I couldn't tell if it was a good job, Andy, or well, you've screwed us again, Andy. But we're Andy Dalton looked you. distressed yeah. on the because I think I don't know what happened. I think he just turned the ball oh. over, and that was the first well, play great. the other way. Uh, I, yeah, I think the. I think the Cardinals are going to sneak in, but I do wonder if maybe I'm just saying that now because it, I've assumed all season they would make it. Minnesota's got four games that I think pretty clearly they should go two and two in. So the Cardinals are going to need to go three and one. And when you think about it that way, I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, but I'll still say they sneak in. They have to win this Sunday. I know people get like upset when you call a game a must win. I haven't called any other game this season a must win. If they lose to the Giants this Sunday, they're not making Almost the playoffs. Almost every one of their last four games are must win games at this point. I, I think the next three are because I don't yeah. think you're beating the Rams. You kind of have to beat the Giants and the Eagles, don't you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you want to make the playoffs, you should be able to beat NFC East teams. And they've, they're already 2-0 against the NFC East. Okay, uh, your emotions for this year's Territorial Cup can be summarized as blank. Eh. <laughs> How do you spell that? Just E-A-H-H. E-H-H. H, okay. H. Um, I... <laughs> I just can't get into college football this year. I mean, I, I, I've watched the only two games that ASU has played this year and was upset both times just because I love the Sun Devils. But, like, I'm not going to be treating this like any other Territorial Cup game. It, this will only be the third game that ASU has played this year. Yeah. Like, uh, and then they might add another game after it. The yeah. Territorial Cup is the end of the season. Like, that's, it's just, I just can't get into it. I don't disagree with anything you said. I, of course, I want them to beat U of A. Yeah. I'll still want them to win. But, like, am I going to be super happy if they beat them or super upset if they if they lose? No. I can't. I think. I mean, I don't think. I know. This is going to be the college football game I'm most into this yes, year. Yes, I, I agree with that. I mean, Alabama-Clemson in the championship will be entertaining, I guess. But I'm. But nationally, I, you're right. I don't really care because I just feel like it's kind of being fabricated and it's sort of a cash grab. This game, though, is like in the in the context of this season. You're right. If ASU loses, it's going to be like, whatever, it was lost season anyway. But when we look back at all the Territorial Cup games every year from, in future Territorial Cup games... I almost feel like this one's going to stand out more because you can make U of A winless. All right, that was fill in the blank. We come back with hour number two of the show. It's going to begin with the reload next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The rundown reload. Rundown reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the Ok Chin Community Studio. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher, the bear behind the glass. We will start the rundown reload with the Phoenix Suns beginning their season two weeks from tomorrow. The NBA season, of course, starting two weeks from tonight. Uh, we, you, you and I have talked about this over the last week or so, Bear, I mean, this is the most excited either of us has been for an NBA season in a while. And yes, a lot of it is is because of the Suns and the Chris Paul trade and everything. I mean, for me, it's also what they did in the bubble last year. But um, 
just the the, the NBA in general, I, I, I do want to see how it plays out. I think it's more wide open this season and even last season than in years past. I've gotten into it back and forth with Jared Carlin on this in the in the past where he's like, well, the Lakers still won, so what's really different? But uh, I do think, I mean, I think there are like legitimate storylines and you could at least make a case that the Clippers could win or, you know, there's there's three or four pretty good teams in the Eastern Conference. But, you know, the overriding thing is how good the Suns could potentially be, how just fun of a team this should be. Chris Paul on Sirius today was asked, Sirius Radio, was asked how Devin Booker compares to other greats he has played with. He's played with some pretty good players. From what you what you know already, how does he sort of compare to some of the great scorers you've seen in the game? Um, that, man, Book, Book is, he's different. You know, everybody uses that word, right? Like different. But, um, you know, it's funny. Sometimes you play with shooters, right? Like knockdown shooters. Like I had an opportunity to play with J.J. Reddick, who was a knockdown shooter. Uh, Book is that. But Book also will create in the ball screen. Book also is athletic and will dunk on you. You know, so... Um, even though I play with a, a lot of different guys, uh, I don't think I ever play with somebody like Book. Said this a few times now, but I, I mean, the most important thing about that trade is that Chris Paul wanted to be here primarily because of Devin Booker. And Chris Paul is here because Devin Booker wanted him here. You know what I mean? Like, they're going into this season, those two are absolutely on the same page. Doesn't mean that there might you know, be a game or whatever and in, I don't know, 30 games into the season or whatever. I can't even do the math of when that is. Normally it would be like January. This year I guess that would be February. Um, where those two are kind of at odds on the court or on the bench or whatever for like 10 minutes and then they get over it because Chris Paul is intense when the season gets going and so is Book. And he really hasn't had anybody to challenge him with the resume that Chris Paul has. So, yeah, I mean, we could see them kind of maybe get into some uh, some heated discussions over the course of the season, but the bottom line is they're on the same page going in, and, and they absolutely, I believe, will be on the same page coming out of the season. I think they're going to do some good things. The Ringer, uh, I don't know if you saw this, they have their tiers for this season. Bear, did you see this? Okay, so the Ringer does a lot of stuff, but you know, they're, they're, I would say their forte is the NBA more than any of the other sports. They have the Lakers in the top tier as the favorites. Then in, in the contenders category, they have, what, eight more teams. Celtics, Nets, Mavs, Nuggets, Clippers, Heat, Bucks, Sixers. After that, they have their playoff locks. And in that playoff locks tier are the Phoenix Suns. They consider the Suns an absolute lock to make the playoffs. The problem is if you do the math with contenders and favorites and playoff locks, they actually have nine teams making the playoffs in the Western Conference. So <laughs> kind of that seems problematic. It seems like an issue because that's uh, good though. I mean, playoff lock. Yeah. Except I mean, somebody isn't right. <laughs> well, they the Suns are. They, I'll t- you know what? I'll take that. After I was having this conversation with somebody today, I. All, all they need to do, the Suns, this year for me is make the playoffs, and I'll be happy. Yeah, I'm with you. And if they happen to win a playoff series, awesome. Even better. But I haven't watched playoff basketball here in Arizona for 10 years. <laughs> I was in high school the last time the Suns made the play. I was a senior in high school. It was the Ron Artest 
tip wasn't. Oh, my God. That was the last time. Why would you do this to well, me? Well, because I'm just trying to. Because I think Jason gonna... Richardson, he didn't box out Ron Artest. What are you doing? <laughs> Kobe Bryant shot an air ball. Grant Hill with wonderful defense. Your, I'll uh, never forget that. Your voice changed. Like I had times people, there. I had people over to my house to watch that game, and literally after that happened, we just all sat there silent. I, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what just happened here. Yeah, I was watching that uh, at a friend's house out in like surprise, and we were watching that game. We were like all into it. This is fun, you know. And then it was the same reaction when it ended. Everybody in the house was just kind of like, oh. And can you imagine if somebody from the future had showed up to tell you, yeah, not only that, you're going to miss the playoffs the next yeah, 10 someone years? Yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, pal, this you, is the last time you're going to see them in the playoffs. You think it's bad now? Well, how about the next 10 years? Just wait till they get three point guards. Oh, God. And then get rid of all of them. Uh, hey, you're going to really hate hair salon soon. <laughs> That's all I can say. I can't tell you anything else. Uh, sticking with the NBA, LeBron James, not real happy with Kyrie. I had to reread the story because I actually heard the podcast that they were talking about when it originally came out. Kevin Durant started a podcast. He has his own podcast that had like five or six episodes. The first guest he had on was Kyrie Irving. And I don't even remember how they got on the topic, but Kyrie essentially said it's going to be different now. He always feels like, you know, on all his teams that he's the guy. Like, he's, he's got to be the clutch player at the end. Now it's going to be different because he has another guy on his team. I'm paraphrasing this, and I don't want to get the, the quote wrong. It's been a while since I heard it, and the actual quote is like 900 words long. But it's essentially, now that he's on a team with Kevin Durant, he has somebody else clutch on his team that can make a shot late. What? what, what wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Did- how long did Kyrie play with LeBron? Three years. Okay, well, does he remember any of that? They or went, went to the finals all three years, oh. and they uh, they won one. But Kyrie was the guy on that team, right? Yeah, apparently, yeah. I don't know. So that came out. This is not going to work in Brooklyn. No, I'm it's, sorry. It's absolutely it's not. not. As soon as Kyrie Irving came out and said, "Well, maybe one night I'll be the head coach, and and the next night KD's going to be the head coach." Steve Nash. It's, it's a collective. I'm like. Oh my gosh, this is going to fail. It's, Poor Steve. Steve didn't ask for that. He did not. And also, Kyrie, don't forget, has already said he's not talking to the media this year. LeBron reacted on uh, Richard Jefferson's podcast, which I think LeBron, I've, I've actually heard him on that podcast before, too, when they were teammates. Basically, LeBron's not happy. And uh, among other things, he said it, quote, hurt me a little bit, unquote, when Kyrie said that. Basically, Kyrie... If you want to read it this way, and I understand why LeBron is, implied that LeBron can't make big shots at the end of games. That podcast came out during the middle of the NBA Finals as the Lakers were winning the title, so LeBron didn't talk about it then. Talking about it now, though, but yeah, I mean... Also, Kyrie's probably only saying that because he's on Kevin Durant's podcast during the uh, interview. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie Irving didn't remember that he was teammates with LeBron. <laughs> Kyrie Irving's a weird dude, man. He he, he is, is weird because I've heard some some like long form interviews with him where it's like this is actually like this guy sounds really intelligent. He, he believes the Earth is flat, but then yeah, there's other stuff and yeah, and I just I'm with you. It's not going to end. If it's just it not does work. end well, like unless Brooklyn wins the title. There's going to be a meltdown because one of the things LeBron said, now I'm getting way off topic, but he also said in there like, hey, you know, I always, always stuck up for him, would always, uh, you know, say good stuff about him to the media. 
Like the rest of Kyrie's teammates this year are going to have to answer all the Kyrie questions if he's not going to talk to the media. That's going to wear on a guy like Kevin Durant when, you know, Brooklyn maybe isn't in first place or they are on the verge of getting eliminated in the second or third round of the playoffs. Like it that's going to be a fun team to watch because there's going to be a meltdown. Uh, Thursday night football going on right now, and the game just switched off. What is the score now? Is it still fourteen? It's to still 10? fourteen okay. to ten. Um, Dallas's kicker missed a chip shot field goal. Hmm. We know what that's like Sounds here. Familiar. Okay. Except this one was like twenty something yards. Oh, it was like an extra point. That's even worse. Or at okay. least it looked like it. Uh, although their kicks are meaningless, so it's actually not. It's Our not kicks worse. mean more than yours. <laughs> they are. They do. These misses hey, by Zane mean more. Can't Dallas win, still win that division? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they still could, even if they lose tonight. They'll only be 3-9. and nine. What's the problem? Uh, Baltimore up 14-10 in that one. The Cardinals, and we'll get back into this in just a second, but uh, <laughs> some... I don't know. I don't know what to say about the uh, the the offense at this point. We you know we've talked about how Kyler needs to run more, or you know if he can, if he's if he's hurt and they're worried about him, you know, injuring himself long term, then yeah, don't have him run. But I mean, you look at the route trees that have been posted uh, for DeAndre Hopkins, not just this past week against the Rams, but against the Patriots and Seahawks as well. He's basically lining up on the same side, left side, almost every one of the plays. And uh, running the, he, like the, at most, it's like a 10-yard pattern. Like, he's just so confined to one side. You've got DeAndre Hopkins. Set him free. He's your best chance to win. He's especially your best chance to win if you're telling me Kyler can't run. Uh, and also, before we get, we'll get back to the NFL in just a second. National Hockey League. They were kind of going back and forth, the players and the owners, as to when or if this season was going to start. You know, dealing with deferred money and escrow and all those fun terms that we don't need to talk about. But it sounds like within the last, I would say, 24 or 48 hours, um, I've talked to a lot of people just around the league that have kind of been saying for a week or two now, look at mid-January for when the season's going to start. But especially in the last 24 to 48 hours, it is really starting to sound like uh, we'll get some NHL hockey back. Uh, possible January 13th start date. That could get bumped a couple days or even a week or two, but I would assume sometime between January 13th and February 1st we'll have a hockey season that will last either 56 or 48 games. So that's the reload. We'll come back, and uh, we heard from Brock Hewitt. I actually do want to play a couple more clips from him. We're also going to hear what Patrick Peterson has to say about the sense of urgency this team needs to have right now. That's next. The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Seven FM, Arizona's sports station. All right, welcome back to the show. We'll get back into the Cardinals here. I would encourage you to uh, hang around to the bottom of the hour. We're going to replay the Cam Johnson interview with Bickley and Murata this afternoon. I tell you, man, the, the Suns, these interviews with the players this year, they're knocking him out of the park. I mean, Jay Crowder with Burns and Gambo. Now Cam Johnson with Bickley and Murata. It was another good one today. I mean, they're just, just adding to the excitement around this team heading into the season, which I will just keep repeating because it seems sort of crazy, starts for the Suns two weeks from tomorrow. Preseason first game is uh, Saturday against Utah. Okay, back to the Cardinals here for a second. Patrick Peterson on his All Things Covered podcast. This, is, this has been kind of a treat for us here 
in the industry that Patrick Peterson now just has his own podcast every week because you know he's more likely to maybe open up there about what's going on with the Cardinals. And um, you know he said flat out here, you get four games left. There's no more time for like, oh yeah, I kind of messed that one up. This part of the season, we can't have no more my bads. Oh, I thought I heard this. No, we have to be on the same page at all time because every single second on that play clock is critical. Not only on the play clock, but from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yep. Every day matters. And that's what I'm trying to get my guys to understand because this is a definitely a, a critical part of the season that we have to take advantage of. Yeah, he followed that up with this. Every game, not only every game matters, every day matters. How yeah. you prepare, how you are making sure that, you know, you're not the guy that's making that mistake in the game. You know, are you doing enough? to make sure that we're in the right position as possible. And that, and that was my message to the, to the guys after the game. You know, go home, look yourself in the mirror, in, in the mirror, ask yourself, including myself, am I doing enough? Yeah. You know, am I doing enough to contribute to help this team win ball games? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to. Okay, I'm not trying to stir anything up here. I'm not saying Patrick Peterson is talking about Kyler Murray right there. I, I really don't think he was. I think he was just saying in, as a generalization – you know, you got a, a relatively young team, or at least in, in key positions, you have some young players and a young coach. And what you do on Wednesday really helps dictate what you're going to do on Sunday, at this, especially at this time of the year. Patrick Peterson is one of the wily vets on this team that has been here with the Cardinals his whole career. I don't think he's doing that podcast thinking, I'm just talking about Kyler Murray. But what I will do is I will play these clips from Brock Heward on with Burns and Gambo this afternoon that I did not get to play earlier and Brock Heward flat out said Kyler Murray needs to be more focused during the week. Everybody competes on Sunday. Everybody loves their paycheck. Everybody loves to play. But if you want to be great, you've got to compete on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on the practice field like it's the most important thing in your life, and that is where I think he has the most area to grow. And he followed that up with this. Here's what I'm seeing, and here's more importantly, I think some of what I was hearing coming out of there is that Kyler is laser-focused on Sunday. He loves to compete, but that laser focus is not there Monday through Saturday. And I think you've seen that show up on Sundays. And it has to be. If, you know, if you're going to be elite in this league, everybody wants to compete, right? And, and you'll hear that all the time. I heard Steve Kime with the morning guys on Friday. He says, you know, Kyler loves to compete. And Gambo, we were texting off the air in the week about his body language and everything else. And I listened to Burns and Gambo on Friday when I was in town driving, and he talked about his immaturity and how he's got to just grow up, and he's a young player, and he's inexperienced. He's all of those things. But here's the deal. you got to be a pro, and it's hyper-competitive on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday as you are on Sunday. Okay. If this becomes like a story, that's going to be a huge deal. I'm, I'm guessing you're probably going to hear that clip over the next uh, few days or weeks. I, that, that's just, I mean, again, the scrutiny that Kyler Murray is going to get, and that's what you signed up for when you're the number one pick and you're a quarterback. Um, but I, anytime anybody is critical of Kyler Murray at this point, I just think, okay, wait, what is Bart Scott going to say? Because Bart Scott really tied himself to those comments a month ago and I'll say it's when the Cardinals were were winning that he doesn't think Kyler Murray is a leader. I'm not there in in that sense. I, I mean, I think it's just so early in his career, and I think people are reading so much into his body language when they show him on TV on the sidelines, which is not the whole game. It's just you know, it's when TV's like, oh wait, uh, Kyler looks pretty upset. Uh, we'll show him. Um, he doesn't typically get. I mean, even after the Hale Murray 
Like, he wasn't that fired up, you know? Like, he's just not a big running around, you know, motivating his teammates with all that, just an outpouring of positive emotion. But that stuff aside, if if there's going to start to be people questioning his focus in practice, that's not great. Now, my initial reaction is Brock Heward is not here every week. You know what I mean? And... I don't know. I mean, I was at practice a couple days every week last season. We obviously can't be there this season. I never, I never heard that or saw that uh, from Kyler last year. But you know, he's a rookie. You know, maybe things are different this year. Like I said, my initial reaction would be Brock Heward's not here, so maybe he saw stuff this week or whatever, or he got that impression this week. But you know, he's not here, so maybe, maybe it's not that serious. But what concerns me is he also threw in there what I've been hearing. Because if you've ever covered sports closely, or if you you know if you cover one sport or one, I would say one sport, not even so much one team, one sport closely, like that's your real focus. You know, you just start to hear stuff that's not really. You can't like report it, but everybody around the league or around the team just has already kind of accepted it as fact. You know, think about it like what you know what you talk about with your coworkers at your job. I mean, that's kind of what it is. Like a bunch of people covering uh, an NFL team, even if they're all from different outlets, you know, they're around each other so much. And you know, a guy like Brock Hewitt has connections with players in the league and coaches. And there's stuff that is said that is said so much that it's sort of taken as fact, and it's just stuff that they talk about in their everyday lives. That's not necessarily like reportable. So if he's hearing that from other people, and again, I'm connecting some dots here. But if if and I'm not even saying it's it's right or it's true, but if that's Kyler Murray's reputation around the league or the team, I don't think it's that way around the team. But whether it's true or not, that's like another thing that he's going to have to answer questions about and that this team is going to have to deal with. And I will say what I said last week, and they didn't do it. A lot would be helped if they just went out there and won a game this weekend. I think a lot of this criticism and a lot of the, oh, they can't win if Kyler's not running and, you know, what's what's going on with him on the sidelines and does Cliff know what he's doing and can Zane make a kick? How much of that would have at least been put on hold if they had just gone out and beaten the Rams and Zane made his kicks? But instead, it just is, now it's a snowball. Uh, another comment here from Brock Heward focused more just on Kyler on the field. There's multiple times that he just doesn't see some things. And I don't know if that's an experience. I don't know if that's vision, right? I mean, truly, I mean, at 5'9", 5'10", to see things in the pockets hard. I know at 6'5", it was hard to see. And, you know, I even had to find lanes. I can't imagine being at this, that size to see things. You know, the pick six is a perfect example where, you know, you're not seeing the entirety of that coverage, where they got you, where that corner's like, yeah, man, throw it, throw it. I dare you. Oh, thank you. God bless you for throwing it, and I'm going to house call it. You know, so it is that vision. Some of it's experience, some of it is height, and some of it is scheme that you got to then ultimately say, okay, this is what he can do, and more importantly, this is what we got to get to that he, that he can perform comfortably on game day because as you guys have seen over five weeks now, it's not been consistent enough. i got to be honest. Like You think back even a month. We got like eight, nine weeks into the season. I never in a million years thought that we would be playing audio or reacting to people criticizing Kyler Murray as much as we are this season. I just Maybe that's just the... The nature of this time 
like this point in his career where now the expectations are raised, but he is still only in his second year as an NFL quarterback. So maybe that's like where the things intersect. And it's like, okay, now the expectations are pro- like last year was just, okay, hopefully Kyler goes out there, hopefully he stays healthy, and let's see what he can do. Now this year, and it's partially his fault for starting off so strong, you, know, you get to six and three, and you have the people that are like, this team's going all the way. And then you have the people that get frustrated by that, and they're like, this team's not even that good. And they start to really dig their heels in on their opinions, and then the Cardinals start to lose, and they dig their heels in even more, and they're like, see, I told you. And Bart Scott's like, see, I told you, Kyler Murray's not a leader. And Keyshawn's like, see, I told you, you guys were saying this is some you know, playoff team that's going to go on a run, and they still might not win more than seven games. I mean, I think they will, but it's... um. I, I think that's what it is. I think it's just the intersection of now there's all these expectations and, and they're they're now ahead of, of where he is. But uh, I just didn't think I would be hearing this much criticism of him this season. Like, he threw a pick six. It was a terrible pass. And you could tell instantly it was a touchdown the other way. He doesn't do that every week. He hasn't done that all year, has he? Am I forgetting a pick six he's thrown? Uh, maybe I'm bl- I've just blacked one out. I don't know. Uh, one more from from Brock, just talking about the team in general. Again, this is all with Burns and Gambo this afternoon. Right now, to answer, I'd be hard pressed to believe they're going to get beyond eight and eight. To think they're going to win three or four. Yeah, you know these last four games, they certainly should beat the Eagles, who incidentally just switched quarterbacks to Jalen Hurts today. Uh, I think they should beat the 49ers. I mean, the team is just so beat up. They're so much more beat up now than they were in Week One when the Cardinals beat them. And don't underestimate the fact that San Francisco really doesn't have a home, the 49ers right now. So, I mean, they're living here. It's, I, don't, I mean, it's not like because of that you're going to go out there and beat them for sure. But that is the team you should beat. Like, the Eagles and the 49ers should absolutely both be wins. Doesn't mean they will be, but they should be. So then it comes down, can you split with the Giants and the Rams? I didn't see anything on Sunday that gave me any hope they can beat the Rams if that game means anything to the Rams, and I think it will in Week 17. So then it's like, okay, this game this week, you got to beat the Giants. If you don't beat the Giants, you're going to have to win out after this. And again, one of those games is in L.A. against the Rams. And I would say, on paper, okay, I, I'll take the Cardinals over the Giants, but the thing is, the Giants are coming in on a huge winning streak, and the Cardinals have won one game since October 25th, and it was because of a Hail Mary. And I think the quarterback's more hurt than he's letting on. So it's like coin flip this week against the Giants. I know they're in the NFC East, and I know that their quarterback is hurt right now, uh, but them losing Daniel Jones is not the same as Kyler Murray not being Kyler Murray. And uh, there's something to be said for the team that feels good about themselves, which is the Giants. I don't know how the Cardinals feel about themselves right now. They just kind of look confused. So I, I, on paper, yeah, better team than the Giants. I think they win that game. But, you know, early start in New York, and they they just seem to have taken a lot of hits to their confidence here over these last few games. So, we'll see. You can turn it around. You know, if they beat the Giants, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, okay, they lost to a team coached by Sean McVay, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. So, now they go out there and win this Sunday, and it's like, all right, you should beat the Eagles too, and now you start to feel good again. But this is it, this Sunday against the Giants. <laughs> Luke Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
Final segment of the show, and it is rivalry week, kind of, I guess, in college football. It's really just more spurred on by the uh, the fact that, uh, oh, no pun intended, using spurs already, too. Um, that uh, ASU and U of A, of course, are playing the Territorial Cup. By the way, it's on Friday. I don't think that's been mentioned enough. So if you're like, ah, I guess I'll watch it on Saturday, you will miss it by 24 hours. Uh, but then also all the Ohio State-Michigan stuff going on to today and uh, Michigan bowing out of that game because there are estimates that they had 49 players they would have had to play without. And so Michigan's like, hey, look, we got COVID, leave us alone. And Ohio State's like, uh, you're ducking us and it's it's just, it's a mess. And then Ohio State's like, okay, we got to have somebody else to play and nobody else in the Big Ten is available yet. So it's like, does the Big Ten change the rule and allow a team that only played five games into the Big Ten championship? Or is Indiana... It's it's getting confusing. It'll only get more confusing tomorrow. So we're going to do a top five. Bear and I are going to do top five biggest rivals to Valley sports teams. I really wanted to put like winning big games in the last decade as one of the rivals, but I I, I, I didn't get stupid like that. So I'm going to let you go first, Bear. Okay. With number five. All right. Number five. It's kind of... It's kind of over now, but I still don't like this team. The San Antonio Spurs. Nice. Uh, number five. That's my of number course, five, too. Being the rivals of the Phoenix Suns for years, knocking them out of the playoffs. The Robert Ori, Richard Jeff, or not Richard Jefferson. Um, what's the guy's Nash. name? No, Amari Bruce Bowen. Oh. Bruce Bowen. Oh. I hate Bruce Bowen. Why would you bring that up? The flopper, Manu Ginobili, Tim Duncan. What did I do? All the time, like, come on, bro. Of course, you just only punch the guy in the face. I mean, That's no big of deal. course the foul's on you. And then Greg Popovich, the hack-a-shack thing. Oh, my oh, gosh. Ugh. Knocking the Suns out of the playoffs and into the yeah. scorer's table. And then they finally got past them after that ridiculous performance from Goran Dragic. And then Steve Nash got elbowed in the eye, and his eye was swollen shut, oh, and he still man. made his free throws. Ah, that was good. I um, I also it, that that rivalry's kind of over now. I feel like because none of those players are there anymore. Kawhi's yeah. even gone. I guess Tim Duncan's a coach there, but it's not. That's the not the same thing. Um, I, I have them just still there, of course. But I have them fifth. Also, I I don't know what this was like for you, but I was able to find five. Right, like I, I was able to come up with like 13, 14 rivals, but five to me stood out. Yeah, like the top five. Yeah, but it was really tough to put them in any order because if you go ten years ago, Spurs would have been number one on this mm-hmm. list, not even mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. But you're right; it's just kind of over now. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I also have Spurs number five. Who do you have at number four? I have the Seattle Seahawks at number four. It's interesting. I also um, have the Seahawks at four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a while there, remember it was. Each team can't win on the road or can't at win home. at home. Yeah. And yeah, it's always kind of a weird game when the Cardinals and Seahawks play. They have the tie, of course, in 2016. Um, the Drew Stanton dance on the sidelines up at up in Seattle. I <laughs> I mean, great. like there are players like I'm, I'm not bothered so much by the Seahawks anymore. Now that Richard Sherman is gone, uh, I don't really hate anybody on the uh on the Seahawks, but I just hate how good Russell Wilson is and <laughs> how good of a head coach Pete Carroll is and how he's kind of annoying, I guess. But yeah, it's Seattle Seahawks. Chewing that gum. I know. Yeah. Uh, Jerk. You know, for DK the- Metcalf slips to them in the second round. You know, it's funny. I talked, I was talking to a friend of mine from Seattle a few weeks ago. It was, it was, I think it was actually after the first game between these two teams this year. 
And, you know, I met, he mentioned DK Metcalf. It was because it was after Metcalf ran down uh, Buda Baker. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you can't bring up DK Metcalf around Cardinals fans because, you know, we, we all at the time, at the time it happened in real time, we're like, what? Why are you taking Andy Isabella when DK Metcalf's still on the board? I'm not saying you should take DK Metcalf with a top 10 pick, but that was late second round at that point. Can you imagine how brilliant that move would have made if you it looked, if you had traded Josh Rosen for the pick you used to take DK Metcalf? Um, and his response, though, and this is this is another element of the rivalry, was, yeah, I know you guys feel that way. We feel the exact same way about Buda Baker. He grew up in Washington. Uh, he played for the Huskies. I forget who Seattle took before him in that draft. And I know we're know both how much I love doing <laughs> You this. love doing that stuff. But it's somebody that's not even playing anymore. So the way we feel about DK Metcalf here is the way Seahawks fans feel about Buda Baker. And I said this to him that day, and I, I, I don't think it's changed. I don't think either team would make the trade. Like if, if Seattle was like, okay, we'll give you DK. You can have him. You give us Buda. Cardinals aren't doing that. And the Cardinals could apparently use some help at receiver, but they're not doing that. And I don't, I don't even know that Seattle would trade DK. So that's a, uh, there you go. So since we both had the same five and four, I'll lead off number three here while you, uh, while you look up that draft because I know wonderful, what you're wonderful. Uh, I have the University of Arizona at number three as obviously the main rival of the Arizona State Sun Devils as we enter rivalry week. Do you really have, I have that them third at number three? Yep, that is U crazy. I didn't. I wasn't sure if you were going to have them on the list. Yep, this th- is unreal that we have the exact same list so far. By the way, this so the Seahawks had the pick right before the Cardinals, yeah, and they took Malik McDowell, a defensive tackle from Michigan State right before the Cardinals drafted Buda Baker. Yep. They'd probably trade Malik McDowell for Andy Isabella, but nobody's doing the, the Buka, Buda Baker, uh, DK Metcalf trade. Okay, so, well, yeah, U of A number three. I mean, it's uh, it's lost something in recent years, I guess, because U of A is just suddenly terrible. Yeah. Like, terrible. Well, I think it all started with Kevin Sumlin. Yeah. But, I mean, remember when U of A... Khalil Tate's on the front page of Sports Illustrated, and this is your Heisman Trophy winner, or whatever we, you know, all that stuff. And, and then, then they told he, him not to run, and, he and then there. they're like, "You're going to play wide receiver in the NFL, so we're we're not going to have you do any of that stuff." Yeah, I, all downhill from you're right because there that was that was only two three years ago, three or like in that range where Khalil Tate. If you're a Sun Devil fan, you're like, "How did this guy end up on U of A?" And then it's like you're. Your football prayers were answered because Kevin Sumlin came in and was like, eh, we don't want you running anymore. And we don't even want awful. you to play quarterback anymore. You're not our starter. Oh, okay. Um, okay, who do you have at number two? I'm assuming we have the same <laughs> final two teams. Maybe. I don't know if we have them in order here. Though. I have the Los Angeles Lakers uh, okay, we at them. number two. Okay. Um, it's just, it's natural for a Valley sports fan to hate the Lakers. Yes. Um, all the years of, of Kobe Bryant tormenting the Suns, um, Shaq and Kobe, Kobe and uh, Pau Gasol, it makes mostly Kobe. And now it's LeBron. Yep. Uh, it, uh, the thing about them, too, is like, and why I recently hate them more, <laughs> they didn't even have to try to get LeBron James. No. They didn't even have to try to get Anthony Davis. It just all happens for them. They're just had to okay, well, I guess we'll trade away Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and all these guys we drafted and get the top five player in the title. NBA and win yeah. a title. No big deal. They just have to make the numbers work. It's just uh, it bothers me. That is the most frustrating thing because if you recall, they even botched that offseason before they got LeBron and they still got LeBron. Yeah. Um yeah. Oh, uh, 
I mean, I'll go. My number two, I'm assuming, is your number one. I have the Dodgers at number two. Yep. And, um, you know, all the way down to them desecrating the pool at Chase Field. Uh, I would like this to become more of an even, even rivalry. It has not been that in the last few years. The Dodgers, I, you know, for a second there, and it was glorious. I forgot that the Dodgers just won the World Series, and it felt good. But now I've reminded That's myself. That's okay. It was only 60 games. That's Nobody counts that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have to explain why the Dodgers are big rivals of the uh, the D-backs. So I will, f- I will flip before we hit one. I'll just say with the Lakers... I hope that starts getting renewed now in the playoffs. And I don't think they, I don't see the Suns playing the Lakers in the playoffs this year, but like in the future years, this could get yeah. interesting again, especially when LeBron leaves and it's just Anthony Davis. We could have two fairly even teams. Here, we only got a minute left. Who do you have? Yeah, I have the Dodgers number one. Obviously, the pool, Yasiel Puig is a jerk. Uh, <laughs> Dave Roberts is really annoying. Um, and also, they're a weird, really well run organization that has a lot of money. They've done both build their farm system and have all these all this homegrown superstar talent and gone out and got Mookie freaking bets. Yeah. And, and I mean, I just I can't stand that team. And their fans can't are so stand them. Humble oh, about oh it yeah, too. they're great. Uh, I, I will say Dodger Stadium was, is yeah, really nice. I was going to say that. Yeah, that that's a very nice ballpark. Definitely a, a good place to see a game. You know, the other thing that's annoying about them is up until this year, their best hitter is you know from Chandler. Like Correct. they get him. Uh, Correct. They get Cody Bellinger. Although I think Mookie Betts is uh, is better. And they like you said, they just went out and bought him traded Alex Verdugo for an MVP candidate. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. It's been The Rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.